Heavenly Father, we can't thank you enough for your word, because in it we find the very words of eternal life. Lord, we stand upon your word. We put our lives in your hands because of what we've read in your word. Lord, in your word there are many things that are hard for us to understand and we need your help so much. Lord, we pray that you may particularly help me this morning as we look at a very difficult passage in your word. We pray that you may give us wisdom and that the interpretation we take from this may be the right one, the one that you would want us to hear so that we may profit from listening to your word this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, some things in this life are very difficult to wrap your head around. If you just think back to your school days, I'm sure you will remember sitting in school and having different problems put to you and not being able to understand them, particularly when it comes to mathematics. I didn't find maths all that difficult at school, but of course it depends what level of maths you choose to study at school as well. If I'd chosen to go a higher level, it may have been much more difficult. Uh, but yes, there are always problems in mathematics that are very difficult to get your head around. You can do the simple math, but then maths gets more and more complicated, and there are problems that have still not been solved. If you read uh, mathematical problem books, there's uh, problems that have been proposed hundreds of years ago and still have not been solved. With all the computing power that we have, people have not been able to come up with solutions to those problems. And when we read the Bible, there are some parts that are fairly simple for us to understand. God's word is very clear in parts and it doesn't take much uh, thinking power to understand what God is saying. But then there's other parts of God's word that are very difficult for us to understand. They make us wonder, they make us probe into it and try and understand what is it that God wants us to know and do according to his word. And today we come to one of those most difficult passages in scripture. We've been working slowly through 1 Peter and we've come to 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 19 and 20 which contains one of the hardest texts in all the Bible. I was tempted to do what I did in when it comes to mathematics in school, just choose an easier level of maths and ignore the hard problems. But I'm trying to be faithful in preaching through all of 1 Peter and that includes preaching the parts that I do not understand as well as the other parts that I do understand. And I want us to have a look at this part of God's word which God has included for our edification and even though it is difficult, he has given us minds and he has given us the mind of Christ through God's Holy Spirit to comprehend what he says in his word. And we prayed for his help this morning and I pray for his help repeatedly through this week. And hopefully he will help us to understand it now. I'll just read the text uh, from verse 19 and uh, verse 20. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 19. Uh, actually I'll read from verse 18. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. 
So verse 19 and 20, we have a couple of questions to ask about what's being said there. Firstly, who are these spirits that are in prison? These spirits that, uh, it says in verse 19, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. Who are the spirits? Now the question is, where is this prison? What is meant by the word prison that these spirits are in? Now the question is, when did Jesus visit these spirits? When did he go and preach to these spirits in prison? And then another question would be, what did he preach to these spirits in prison? It's not mentioned there in the text. What is Jesus preaching to these spirits in this prison? So, this morning, I put forward on your bulletin there the three main options. Now, of course, when you read commentaries, everybody has a new idea as well. Uh, And so there's lots of other options that are out there. But these are the three primary options that most scholars will hold to one of these points. And so I want to propose all three and uh, point out why I think option one and option two are not uh, the best and then try and help you to understand what I think I've come to conclude, that option three is the appropriate interpretation. So firstly, option one. After his death, Jesus preached to angels in hell. Option one is, after his death, Jesus went and preached to angels in hell. So who are the people? Well, who are these spirits? They're angels who were disobedient in the days of Noah. So clearly these spirits have to be ones who are disobedient uh, because of what verse 20 says, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. And some people conclude that they are angels. And the reason why this is an attractive option is because of the word spirit is used. The word spirit is usually used to indicate uh, angels, often fallen angels. Unclean spirits are mentioned again and again in the Gospels. And spirit is often used to refer to angels. So people say they're clearly angels. Now where's this prison? Well, prison is hell. The word prison is used in Revelation to describe where demons are being put and it's a place of torment, a place of uh, hell for them. And so people say these are angels and they're in hell. Now when did Jesus preach to these guys, to these angels? Well, people propose it's immediately after his death. And that's pretty much because of the context of verse 19. Verse 19 is actually part of one sentence that begins back in verse 18. I'll read from verse 18, the beginning of verse 18. For Christ died for sins once for all. So we've got Jesus' death mentioned. Uh, The righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. So we've got his death, we've got his resurrection. And then, verse 19, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. So it seems to be this logical order. Jesus dies, Jesus is raised. Next, after Jesus is raised, he goes and preaches to these spirits in prison. What did he preach? Well, that's not indicated in the text. So there's a couple of guesses that people propose. Some people say he went and preached the gospel to these fallen angels. Uh, I don't think that's uh, probably right, uh, but, uh, of course, I, I don't think this whole option is probably right either. But another option is it's not the gospel because some people have an issue with preaching 
to angels uh, the gospel. There is no indication in scripture that fallen angels are ever given an opportunity to repent and believe. So some people believe that Jesus went and preached a victory sermon and a sermon of condemnation to these angels. He has risen from the dead and now he's off to hell to tell these demons that he is in charge. I am the chosen one. I am the one who has conquered sin. I am victorious. I am the one that you will bow down to. So that's the option. Now, I think there's a few problems with it. Firstly, one problem is, why only the angels in the time of Noah? If Jesus is off to preach victory to demons, to fallen angels in hell, why would he only go for the ones that were in the time of Noah? Why didn't he preach to other demons there in hell? Now, it could be that these angels are singled out because of the atrocities that they committed were worse than any other angel that has been here on earth, um, fallen angel. And that is uh, proposed because that passage we read in Genesis chapter 6 uh, talks about sons of God having sex with daughters of men. And so they believe that these uh, sons of God are angels that come to earth, have sex with human women, and then, of course, God doesn't take very kindly to that. Now, I don't think that's necessarily what Genesis 6 is saying. I think sons of God is actually a reference to God's uh, holy people. There are sons of men in the sense that they are of, uh, they're not following God. And you see that coming through uh, the, the whole of the Old Testament. There's people who are God's people and there's people who are not God's people. Not God's people are sons of men. Sons of God are the people of God. So I don't think that the angels there in chapter 6 of Genesis are, well, not the sons of God there in chapter 6 of Genesis are angels, but other people, of course, disagree, and you may want to look that up for yourself and see whether you think that's what they are. But that's the reason why they're singled out in this verse, some people propose, is because they're so nasty in the fact that they actually took uh, human women and had relationships with them. So that's one problem, is why are the angels uh, in the time of Noah singled out? Other problem with this is, why is Jesus going to hell? I'm not sure that scripture ever indicates that Jesus goes to hell. Um, there are a couple of little texts that are put forward as to Jesus descending into hell. Um, and this is one of the main texts that people put forward, that Jesus, after he was raised to life, went to hell. But I think Jesus was straight off to heaven after he was raised to life. He says to the thief on the cross, Today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus has dealt with sin. He has, and death has no hold over him any longer. He has been raised to life. He is off to rejoice with the saints in heaven and to be with his father again. He is not interested in going to hell from what I can gather in scripture. Another problem with it is why pronounce judgment, if that's what he's doing in hell to these prisoners? Uh, he's going there to preach a sermon of condemnation. Why is he condemning them then? The time of judgment is still to come. The time of condemnation, where he pronounces his condemnation on people who have sinned and angels who have sinned, is still to come. The last judgment is still coming. It seems like if he's off to hell to preach condemnation, he's kind of doing it out of order. The last judgment is still to come. So that's why I'm not certain that he would be off to hell to preach condemnation. 
And then the last one, which is a fairly big issue with this option, is how does this event fit in with the surrounding context of encouraging you to witness to people in a hostile world? We've been working through this passage in 1 Peter chapter 3 and this whole section is concerned with encouraging you to witness to people, to give an answer for the hope that you have and encouraging you to do so. He says back in verse 15, Peter told us, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And then he's been encouraging us to do so with verses like 17, it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Do the right thing, witness, despite what people may do to you. Uh, And then he's encouraged us, as we looked at last week, with verse 18, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. How Christ in his suffering brings people to God, and how we should be prepared to suffer for witnessing to bring people to God. So the whole context is about encouraging us to suffer for witnessing. And I don't understand how Jesus going to hell to preach to fallen angels encourages us to do so. Because Jesus is witnessing there, possibly, but he's not suffering. He's raised. He's victorious. He's not suffering there in hell as he's preaching. So I don't think that interpretation fits with the context of the passage. Um, And so that's why I'm a little sceptical of this option. Okay, you still with me? Option two. After his death, Jesus preached to unbelievers in hell. So this is pretty much identical with the previous one, except the spirits are unbelievers. They are humans who disobeyed in the time of Noah. Now the word spirit, as I said before, is often used to refer to angels, but it can also be used to refer to humans. Very rare to have the word spirit on its own without a mention of a body for a human, but nevertheless it does happen. Uh, So it is not wrong to take the word spirit there as representing humans. And of course, prison is taken as hell again. And the time that Jesus preaches is uh, after his death because of verse 18, the logical flow there, people propose. Now, what does he preach to them? Well, we dismissed that he couldn't preach the gospel to fallen angels because God never indicates that he shares the gospel with fallen angels and encourages them to repent and believe. But God does preach to unbelievers and encourages them to repent and believe. And so this is where uh, some people really believe that a second chance is given to people in hell. That you can actually become a Christian in hell. You can believe the gospel as it's presented. And Christ went there to bring people out of hell by preaching the gospel. And the Roman Catholic Church actually gets their doctrine of purgatory from this text as well. They understand prison to be purgatory and that Christ went there to bring some people out of purgatory. But purgatory as a holding place before you get to upgrade and go to heaven is a doctrine that I don't think is in Scripture. Uh, I don't think this text teaches that either. And the Scripture is very clear that there are no second chances after you die. This is it. You hear the gospel this life, that's it. There is no gospel opportunity in the next life. Man is destined to die once and after that face judgment. That's what Hebrews tells us. You cannot say, I will 
ignore God in this life, and I'll accept the gospel when I hit purgatory or hell because Jesus might show up and preach to me. No, that's not true. And so I don't think that this is what this text is saying either. Again, we have the same problems as before with this option. Why preach only to unbelievers from the time of Noah, the people who rejected Noah? Um, As I said before, why is he preaching to only angels from the time of Noah? The same thing applies. Why does Jesus only want to go to hell and preach to these unbelievers? It doesn't seem that they're worse sinners than any other people in the time of the Old Testament. It would have been more logical, I think, to say he went and preached to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah held in prison. But it's Noah that's mentioned here. And so I ask that question for this option as to why it's only those unbelievers from the time of Noah. Why is Jesus going to hell? As I said before, I don't think there's indication that Jesus goes to hell in Scripture. Why pronounce judgment to these people if that's what he's doing there? Preaching the gospel, he's actually preaching judgment on them uh, before judgment day. And then how does that fit in with suffering for witnessing? How does Jesus going to hell and preaching to unbelievers encourage us to serve God by suffering for witnessing. I don't think this option fits with the context either. So, second option I don't think is a good option either. The third option, which is has a long tradition of being held by Christian theologians, um, Augustine believed this, one of the early church fathers, a church father that we... Uh, really should be thankful for a, for a lot of our understanding of, of God and, uh, and his scripture. He has built a strong foundation back there in the early centuries and it has been built upon since. This option number three is the one that I hold to and that's at the time of Noah, Jesus preached to unbelievers through Noah. Okay, so who are the spirits? Well, they're unbelievers in Noah's day. They're the people who didn't repent in the time of Noah. So kind of similar to option two. And then where and when? Well, when in the text refers to that time of Noah, um, that Jesus went there at that time. So in verse 19, I'll read, Through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. So Jesus was speaking at the time of Noah through Noah. It's at that time. And so how does this fit with previous verse, verse 18? where people go, ah, well, it's about Jesus' death, resurrection, and then he's going to hell to preach. Well, it's by the reference to spirit at the end of verse 18. Verse 18 says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the spirit. And then, verse 19 doesn't cut into a different type of time, as in a a logical procession of time, Instead, Peter has gone, he was raised by the Spirit, and in that Spirit, in the spiritual realm, Jesus spoke to Noah. 
So through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. See that little letter D at the beginning of verse, uh, at the, in 19, it says through whom, there's a little letter D, drop down, there's another translation, or alive in the spirit through which, through which spirit Jesus spoke in the days of Noah, through which spirit also Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison. Jesus speaks through the prophets in the Old Testament, through his spirit. When Noah opens his mouth in the Old Testament and preaches, who's preaching? Who's speaking through Noah? It's Christ. And so that fits with this text. If we understand that Jesus in his spiritual nature, his pre-incarnate nature, which is spiritual, his, before he takes on a body, was speaking through Noah. If you go back to chapter 1, verse 11, you actually see that doctrine supported. Go back just uh, one page in the Black Church Bibles to page 1200, and we'll read from verse 10, where it's talking about prophets. Verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Who speaks? The Spirit of Christ in the prophets. And I think Peter is meaning the same thing here, that Jesus Christ in spirit, he's been raised into the spiritual realm, in that same spirit, he spoke in the past through Noah, who in 2 Peter, same author, wrote 2 Peter, he talks about Noah being a preacher of righteousness. Noah wasn't just someone who built the ark, like we like to think because of you know the story in Genesis and the children's stories that we've heard again and again. He was a preacher of righteousness. He spoke to the people at his time and warned them about the coming judgment, and warned them to repent, to believe in God, to flee from their sin. And I think this option fits. I think it's supported there by 1 Peter chapter 1. I think it's supported by 2 Peter, where it's talking about Noah as a preacher of righteousness. So we've got two things from Peter's own words that support the text. And we don't have the problem of Jesus off to hell. We don't have the problem of Jesus offering a second chance or condemning people before Judgment Day, being there in hell. And this interpretation fits with the context of the passage. Remember the last two options I said. I don't see how it fits if Jesus goes and preaches in hell, how that encourages me to preach here and give an answer to everyone that asks me for a reason, for the hope that I have. How does it make me want to witness even when people make me suffer for witnessing. Those first two options don't, but I think the third one does. How? Because Noah went through what we go through. What did Noah go through? His family was a religious minority in a hostile world, just like Christians. We're a minority in a hostile world. Noah witnessed to unbelievers, just like we are called to witness to unbelievers and suffer for witnessing. Noah was ridiculed for what he was doing. 
and for what he said, for his belief in a God who told him to build a massive boat when there was no indication that a flood was coming. And we are ridiculed as well. We tell people, flee from the coming wrath of God, and they say, what coming wrath of God? And they ridicule us for witnessing to them. They say there is no wrath coming. There is only peace. And so they mock us for witnessing, just like they mocked Noah. And we can also take encouragement from the fact that Noah was saved. He experienced suffering for witnessing, but did that suffering continue for all eternity? No, he was saved. He was saved from the judgment and he is safe now in heaven. And that's an encouragement to us as well. We've already been reminded that uh, last week how Jesus suffered and then was raised to life and how that's an encouragement to us that our suffering for witnessing won't go on and on. It will come to an end even if someone ends us for what we're witnessing. We will come back to life. And Noah experienced salvation for trusting in God just like we will. Our suffering doesn't continue on and on for eternity. Noah was saved from suffering. So I think the third option is the right one. I think it fits with the passage, the context of the passage. It makes sense in light of what Peter understands about God preaching through Christ, through his prophets in the Old Testament. And it means that Jesus isn't off to hell. Jesus isn't preaching in hell. We don't really know what he would have been preaching in hell. It seems to make sense. Now, how is this helpful for you? How is it helpful? Well, I want to continue, uh, encourage you to consider your option. Your option. We've considered three options here. What is your option? Be a Noah, not a spirit in prison. Be a Noah, not a spirit in prison. Firstly, be a Noah. Continue to witness to unbelievers like Noah, even if it means you suffer ridicule, scorn, and even physical harm. Be like Noah. And be like Noah in letting Christ speak through you. It is a wonderful thing that when Christians open their mouths and proclaim the gospel, it is not them speaking. It is Christ speaking through you. Isn't that a tremendous truth that makes you feel so special that God would actually use you as his ambassador and speak through your very words? Let Christ speak through you. Don't listen to their scorn, their ridicule, and keep your mouth shut. Be like Noah and open your mouth and proclaim to those around you to repent of their sins, believe in Jesus Christ, and be saved from the coming wrath. Not a wrath of a flood, but a wrath coming with fire. Encourage people to repent and believe. Speak the words of Jesus through your mouth. And then I want to encourage you not to be a spirit in prison. Be a Noah and not a spirit in prison. At this present moment, there are people suffering in hell right now 
because they ignored the spirit of Christ when he spoke to them through prophets, including Noah. It's a terrible thing to consider that people heard the way of righteousness and then rejected it and are suffering right now. Is that you? I want you to listen to God's warning right now. He is being very patient by letting you breathe and eat and live right now so that you can take his words and repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ. He's giving us time, giving you time, just like he did in the days of Noah. What did it say in verse 19 and 20? Through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. He was patient. It takes a long time to build a big boat. God is being patient still and giving you an opportunity to repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ and be saved. And I want to encourage you, if that's you, do it now. Repent now, because God's patience doesn't last forever. Consider that tonight could be the night that you die and tomorrow you are with those spirits in prison, suffering pain in hell for all eternity. Don't let that be. Repent of your sins. Believe in Jesus' death for you. That by his death, he died the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. All it requires is you to repent and believe. Don't be like the people in the days of Noah who were disobedient and refused to believe the message. Instead, believe the message. And not be a spirit in prison. Instead, go into eternal life to paradise with Jesus Christ. Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for all of your word, even the parts that are difficult for us to understand. Lord, we do understand that you are a God who condemns sin and punishes sin but you have also provided a way out, that you have provided a way for forgiveness of sins, for a way out of prison, eternity in hell, through Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that by his death we can escape. And we pray that everyone in this room has escaped his eternal punishment, that we are not headed for prison, but we're headed for eternal life. And Lord, we pray that everyone in this room may be like Noah, who did suffer for preaching righteousness, but was saved. Lord, we pray that you may speak through us and that we may continue to speak regardless of what man may do to us, because we know that we are right with you, and even if it means we are wrong with people, being right with you is far greater. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.